Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10 Rules of Business podcast presented by Performance University. I am your host, Mr. Sean Kirby. And yes, I said Mr. Uh, first time I've ever done that. But Mr. Sean Kirby, joined by uh, Mr. Kirby, my father, Mr. Mike Kirby himself. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. 9.35 a.m. in the midst of tax season. It's um, it's one of our favorite times of the year. We get to see everybody that, uh, uh, well, I'll say most everybody, because the amount of people post-COVID that are now emailing their tax stuff in has risen substantially. But those clients that um, we haven't seen for a year, it's always good to see them, see what's going on in their world. It's pretty crazy what you, um, you know, when you haven't seen a client for 12 months, what kind of stuff goes on in somebody's life in 12 months? It, yeah, we describe it as the circle of life because somebody maybe had a new baby, somebody lost a spouse, a parent. Um, so we hear the good, the bad, and the ugly for whatever happened in the last 12 months. You know, thankful to be, um, you know, somebody that they trust enough to talk to about those things. And Yeah, always keep a box of Kleenex. And sometimes those are brought out for whatever reason. So it could be tax conversation or a therapy session. So a little bit of both. It's a privilege to uh, be a part of that, to be honest with you. Well, perfect. Well, so um, obviously we are here today. We have now recorded uh, the first rule of business, stay in business. The second rule of business, um, make money. Third rule, know your numbers. Uh, we're kind of getting into now um, you know, number four, the, the fourth rule of business, attract and keep good people. So, of, of all of them, I, I find this one to be the most fun. Um, and, and if you go back to rule number three, know your numbers. And one of our primary rules is when it's costing you not to do something in business, you better do it. And the, the one that is always a bit of uh, a challenge, one you put the most thought in, is headcount. Because it's the most expensive. Um, and adding new team members uh, sometimes presents a risk. Will they culturally fit? Are they uh, competent to do what you're asking them to do? But there's a system to it. Um, you know, our last two or three uh, employees have come from uh, the website Indeed, and that's our first screening process where you put an ad out there and, it is somewhat comical at times, some of the resumes you get uh, for the specifics of the job description. I'm encouraged by people's optimism and their uh, uh, ability to think a, uh, an accountant is uh, probably uh, a need that uh, is filled by somebody who's never actually crunched numbers. But that's okay. I mean, you, you never know. It's a, a, the law of large numbers. You'll eventually get to that one resume that pops out to you. And uh, this morning, we're just going to talk about how to attract and keep good people. And that's in today's market, uh, when I'm visiting with our small business owners, it's one of the biggest challenges they have. Is uh, I, I don't care if it's a restaurant owner, a contractor, uh, a medical person, uh, a doctor's office, dentist office, they're all looking for good people. And because it's costing them not to have it, we have one contractor that just the other day told me that if I could find 
a dozen people. I could run four more trucks and have all the business I want, but they're struggling finding uh, not just qualified people, but just anybody. You know, the whole time you and your sister were growing up, we would, I would constantly preach to you that the number one rule is get up, dress up, and show up. And I don't know why for some people that is the most difficult part of keeping a job is getting up, showing up, and dressing up. But for us, we're going to talk about how to attract and keep good people. And I think in, and it starts with your organization. And um, I learned a long time ago that there are three things that people, every single person is looking for. They're looking for an opportunity. They're looking for an environment. And they're looking to make money. And... So we're going to break that down a little bit. So an opportunity for what? An opportunity to grow personally and grow professionally. An environment that's fun, it's motivating, it's challenging me to be better. And then everybody wants to make money. And the, the interesting thing to me is uh, I listened to one of your podcasts with uh, an individual that's involved in multi-level marketing. Alyssa. Alyssa. Alyssa Alsup. Yeah, fantastic interview. And... Um, the couple things that jumped out to me was, you know, she had $3.68 or 86 cents or something like that in her checking account. And she took a leap of faith. And in those multi-level marketing deals, it's all about opportunity, environment, and money. Um, and generally money's last, but they, they, individuals will come to you, um, generally for those three things. They'll stay with you if you have at least two of the three. In multi-level marketing, because it's a slow grind to build your business, the money's the last part of it. Uh, but the opportunity, I mean, it's sometimes presented as this multi-bazillion dollar opportunity. And, and then the environment is so fun. It's motivating. It's You're thinking differently. You're reading books. You're, you're listening to tapes. You're listening to testimonials of people that have made it. Um, it's an exciting thing as a human being you plug into something like that, and all of a sudden you're going, I'm, I'm becoming something I never dreamed I could be. So how does a, a, an employer take a piece of that and, and sort of plug it into what you do on, on a daily basis? You're not a multi-level marketing operation, neither are we. But those same drivers that get people excited uh, can be applied to your business. So in here, opportunity is uh, broken down to here's what we do. Um, if your background is somewhat associated with that, or even if it's not, um, we will start with some goal planning and that starts in the interview. And we're really asking them the questions, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? What do you want to learn? What do you want to achieve? And so we're listening to those answers. The resume itself, uh, I learned a long time ago, it's not how much education you have. It's how you use the ed education you have. So most jobs uh, are just looking for people that will show up, have an eagerness to learn, want to be a part of the team, want to apply themselves, and uh, along the way, uh, they start to help you make money. In the beginning, they're kind of an expense because the learning curve of whatever you're asking them to do. But if they're willing to show up every day, that's, that's the biggest win you've got. Uh, the second thing is you got to be very clear on what you want them to do. And that's where in, internally we use a lot of systems that are transferable, they're inspectable, they're measurable, uh, and we can watch them grow. Um, sometimes we find people that say they want to do one thing, 
And as they get into it, they discover that that may be not what they want to do. But that doesn't mean they're a bad person. doesn't mean that they don't fit our organization. And I like to use the, uh, uh, the bus analogy where I'm, I'm driving the bus. It's my job to put you in the seat in the bus. But then I got to pick the right seat for you. And you've got to pick the right seat for you. And fortunately, internally, we have a lot of opportunities, a lot of different directions. Uh, if you like the real estate market, if you like uh, accounting, you like tax, you like um, you know financials on the investment side, you get to pretty much paint your own picture uh, based on what we do internally. And sometimes you may come to me with a new idea that we hadn't thought about, and we'll make an investment in you. So I think attracting and keeping people uh, is about opportunity, environment, and money. And so I'll break those down. Uh, grow personally and professionally with your opportunity. Um, fun and motivating environment. And, and, and internally, uh, we don't like drama. And, and sometimes people can bring their personal stuff from home. And, and, and it's important that you listen and you care about that. But it's also important that they understand that this is a business. We'll listen and, you know, if you've got issues, just shut the door. We'll talk about it. But when you come out that door, it's time to go to work and get your job done. And we're very flexible with that. Uh, if people need time off, we give them time off. If, if you got your work done and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you need to go do something, go do something. Um, we don't want to be so rigid that they, they just think of it as a 9 to 5 job. I got to be there. We want them to think this is part of they're part of our family. And we get to know them personally. We get to know their kids' names. Their kids come in here. Um, we've watched them grow up. And because we're a family-owned business, that's a vital important part of what we do. I think not every business has that luxury, but it's important to know your people well enough to see just on the look of their face, whether it's a good day or a bad day. And we, we recently had um, a, a young uh, accountant, she's sitting for uh, she's actually getting her master's in accounting and then we'll sit for her CPA. And she said to me, and, and this is kind of a millennial term, which is hard for me to wrap my head around. She goes, this is my safe place. This is my place where I get to be me. There's no drama. I'm able to get my work done. I can have fun with the crew, um, with the other team members. I get to be me. Well, that's a huge compliment to us. And our ultimate goal is to find out where she wants to go and help her get there. Because it's impossible to help people get what they want and not get what, get what you want. And, and that's a fundamental philosophy that we have. If, if we really understand where these people are trying to get to, and we're doing everything we can to move those obstacles and, and pave the path for their success, we're going to succeed. Um, and, and we don't lose people over the last 17 years. I can count on one hand the number of people that we've lost. And most of them just moved on to other opportunities. Uh, or moved to out of state because they wanted to move to California. So we just, we want to take the time to really understand and know our people. And I think one of the biggest things we can do above their pay, uh, above their bonuses, is to say thank you. And we say thank you almost every day. Um, you know, have a great night. We'll see you in the morning. Thanks for what you're doing. And I think people just want the acknowledgement. They want the uh, pat on the back, the, the appreciation of what we do. And then we do things outside of this. Now, sometimes it's difficult to get everybody's schedule on the same page, 
that's probably been her biggest challenge since we've grown, is uh, whether it's a Christmas party or we go bowling or come out to my house and we do the airsoft wars or, or something. But that's team building. And you get to know them on a little bit more personal level. And we like competitive people. We like people that um, like to win. And that, that brings me to the, uh, the part that, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, and, and, and if you keep in the back of your mind, we're going to train them for the job that we want them to do. It, it isn't how much education they have. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are certain skill sets that people have to have in a technical position. Uh, you can't hire somebody that knows nothing about computers to come in and work on your computers. You can't hire somebody to come into accounting that's not a penny finder that doesn't understand how accounting works. Uh, that's that's a problem. But if they're willing to learn, you can you can help them evolve into those positions. Uh, we're a huge believer in education in here, and it's not necessarily what I would consider formal education that you have to go back to university, but. You better find the books to read. There's courses online you can take. Uh, QuickBooks is a prime example. If you want to be a QuickBooks certified trainer, there are probably six to ten courses that you take with QuickBooks. And uh, next thing you know, you know QuickBooks uh, well enough that you become a certified trainer. So in here, we just roll out the opportunities for people. They kind of find their niche, the things that make them happy, that drive them to be better, and then they go to work. Um, the one thing I do know is if, if it's fun and exciting, uh, it tends not to be work. It tends to be a place you want to go. As, as Jill said, you know, this is my safe place. This is the place where I get to be me and I get to be the better me. And our job is to encourage them to be the best they possibly can. And in turn, we become the best we possibly can. Uh, we, for the first time in... I'd say 14, 17 years, we're about out of space. And if you would have said in 2008 when we added on all the offices and every, everything else, in a matter of time, you're going to be out of space, I would have said, well, you know, not, not as long as I'm here. And here we are, you know, our, we have a new intern and we have to put her here in this conference room because we have no place for her to sit. So that'll present some new challenges for us as we continue to grow. But we'll face those challenges as long as we're attracting good people both from, it's not just our employees, but good customers, attracting good customers, keeping good customers, then we'll be faced with a new unsolved opportunity, and that is, where do we put, where do we put our people? Um, I know in today's culture, there's a lot of people working from home. And as an old CEO, as a guy who liked to sit in the, the lunchroom with everybody, I like to watch people. And I find people that move fast, work fast. I mean, if you get the slow-moving, drudgery kind of ain't-don't-care kind of person, they're going to be limited in their opportunities. And just by watching people, you can tell, and that one right there is a go-getter. And what can we do to help that person get where they want to go? And you get to know them personally, and you, you say, okay, what are you trying to achieve? Where do you want to go? And then you would start to move them up the ranks because if the opportunity is real, uh, and the environment encourages that, they're going to be more than willing to open up and say, here's where I really want to be. And even if that's not with you, while you do have them, while you're helping them grow, your organization is going to be better. Um, we used to say in the, in, the, in the business that Lincoln freed the slaves in 1863. Just because they're an employee does not mean they have to stay with you 
does not mean that they have to only be focused on you because ultimately they play their favorite radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? And that's where the money part comes in. All of us want to make money. All of us need to make money. But we have to remember there's two parts to money. Uh, income is what you make and spend. That's your wages. But wealth is what you keep. And in here, we're not afraid to have the conversation about ownership. And if they're willing to take some risk, if they're willing to grow the business, why wouldn't we say, okay. And in, in the accounting world, the legal world, other places, it's called a partnership. And why wouldn't we want to talk to them about the dream of being a partner? If they're that good and they're attracting and keeping good customers, why wouldn't we want to share that ownership opportunity? And quite frankly, it sinks the, sinks the teeth in them that says, not only don't I want to go somewhere else, but it's too valuable for me not to go somewhere else. And you can't do that in every business. But the number one job of every leader is to start to develop their replacement. And, you know, if you're doing that on a daily basis, eventually you're going to find one. Because someday, either because of choice that you, you choose to, to retire, or someday you, you're physically not able to do it, you're going to turn that light off for the, for the last time. You hope to choose your replacement that's going to turn it back on the next day. So when you're attracting good people, keeping good people, as long as you're the owner, not greedy, and willing to share your knowledge and, and your excitement and your vision and the money, you're going to keep them. For the most part, you're going to keep them. Unless, unless they have a huge life change um, that that forces them to move or or go somewhere else or do, do something because of that, they're likely not to leave you. So it, it, the encouraging thing to me is for everybody listening, if you focus on opportunity, environment, and money, and if you're losing people, it, it really boils down to this. Have any two of those, opportunity, environment, money, have any two, I don't care which ones they are, and people will stay. Have only one of them, and people are leaving. So I'll give you an example. You can pay somebody three times what they're worth, but if the opportunity is limited and the environment is terrible, that person's going to leave because money's not the only reason why they're there. You can have opportunity environment, i.e. multi-level marketing. The money may be three, four, five years away, and they're going to stay. They're going to stick with it. Um. It's, it's a funny thing to me when, when you evaluate your business. If you're just turning people over and over and over, and, and I don't mean to be um, crass about it, but if you're a jackass to your people, you give back what you give. They're not going to stay. If you're treating them as though they're, quote, unquote, not an, an employee but a, a slave, you're, you're done before you even begin. So you really have to look at your own personality and say, am I treating them the way I'd want to be treated? Am I talking to them the way I'd want to be talked to? And if you're losing people because of environment, I'd, there's an old saying that says the fish stinks from the head down. Start by looking in the mirror and saying, what is it that I'm doing that, that is causing these people to be uncomfortable, to be um, unhappy? Because you're not going to keep them. Conversely, if you walk in with a smile on your face, no matter what the situation is, because they're watching you, 
If you've, if you've got a bad situation and you blow up and, and you react instead of respond, they're watching you. Because we always have to remember that in, in leadership will be the, the next one, is they're watching both the good and the bad that you're doing. And I've learned as much from people who I didn't want to do things like as I have from the people that I did. The mentors were calm. They were complimentary. They were encouraging. They were saying, you could be this. You're so good. You can do this. Where the other ones were going, why didn't you do this? And only pointing out the flaws that you have. Or, quite honestly, undermining you. Or promising and not delivering. And that, to me, is another factor. Is when you over-promise and under-deliver, your employees know that. And you can tell them, I don't overpromise and I don't underdeliver, and I don't want you to do that either. If you can do the job, I'll give you the opportunity to do that job. If you need help, we'll find you help. If you have obstacles, I'll help you remove the obstacles. But you own it. You own that job. I'm probably the worst manager that ever lived because I don't like to manage people. And people get it confused that that's the job. I think you manage things. But you don't manage people. Because no matter what I do, I can't motivate you. I can inspire you, but you've got to have that internal motivation to get it done. You've got to have the internal motivation to say, this is my objective. This is the job I have. I'm going to do it the very best I can. If I have a problem, then I'm going to go to Mike, Sean, Lisa, and tell them that I have this problem, whether it's an education problem or it's a fundamental obstacle that I need help removed. And then I'm going to watch how they deal with that. If they're jumping in to help me get it out of the way, the environment's great. If they're saying, you fix it, you figure it out, that's a problem. Now all of a sudden they're going, you don't even care about it. Why should I care about it? And in the next episode when we talk about leadership, there's a, a saying that says, the speed of the leader is the rate of the pack. If the leader shows up late, expect your people to show up late. If the the leader's lazy, your people are going to be lazy. If your leader's a jackass, your people are going to be a jackass. And it's it's culturally something that you have to build. You gotta you gotta work on it every single day. You know, internally we're readers. And so I'll buy books. If I like a book and I think it'll help our staff, I buy ten of them. Now, will they read it? That's up to them. But I at least am sharing the knowledge or source information or the creativity to where people need to go, man, he cares enough not to loan me a book, but to give me a book so I can highlight, I can I can write in the, the, the margins. So those are the little things I think that don't cost a lot of money, but they go a long way in building an environment that says, man, we're all pulling on the same end of the rope. And which leads me to the drama side of things. And, you know, we're human. Everybody's human. So occasionally things go south. Personally, they go south. In business, they go south. But you got to nip the drama right away. If you're building an environment that's encouraging and, and allows people to grow personally and professionally, you can't let drama start to tear that apart. If somebody's spending way too much time on their phone texting because they got problems at home, you got to pull them in your office and say, this has got to stop. You know, you're here to do a job. If you've got an issue at home that needs that much attention, go ahead and go home and take care of it. Or if you've got an issue with a family member or somebody, just go fix it. But when you come in here, we're all working on the same end, end of the rope. And when other employees see you not doing your job, 
that starts to create a problem internally. So, and I think those are little things um, that, you, that you have to fix. And if you've got good people and they just aren't in the right seat on the bus, then you really need to think through. And I, I, I'd say go back to uh, the goal planning side of things because we do a goal planning with every employee every year. And it's where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to own? What are you trying to be? What do you want to achieve? And if you see them failing or stumbling in the position you have them in, bring them back in and go, all right, maybe I missed something in this goal planning session. And you might, you might find out that it changed. Maybe they tried something and didn't like it. That doesn't make them a bad person. You've already spent the money to hire them. You've already got them on staff. It, it's my job to go, okay, where do you need to be? And if it fits something else that we do, then we'll start trickling those opportunities to them to see how they're doing. And ultimately, um, they're either going to step up and, and start generating what I would consider value, uh, or sometimes you got to have that conversation that says this, this just doesn't work. And we've been fortunate that we haven't had those conversations, but you're not really a manager until you've had to fire somebody. If somebody's not pulling their weight, if somebody's causing a problem in the environment, if somebody's constantly backbiting other people or, or putting down the business, that's a cancer. You got to cut it out and you just got to remove it. You got to remove it quickly. You do it with dignity and you just say, you're a star waiting to happen down the road. It just doesn't work here. And I would say that those are some fundamentals on attracting and keeping good people. The biggest thing is um, they're no different than a client or a customer. They're, they're observing everything that you do from the clothes you wear to the office you have to the to how you speak to each other, uh, how you treat each other. Um, and if you do it with respect and with dignity and with uh, encouragement, you'll be amazed at the quality of people that you can attract. And to me, there's this stigma about millennials and youngers that they don't want to work. I would argue that's complete and total false. False. It's false. I would say they may not be aligned with us 60-year-old people um, fundamentally as far as what they, they want. But once you discover what they want, they dress up, show up, and they work their tails off. And ultimately, they will make your organization so much better than you imagined because they have big ideas. They've got technology. They've got streamlined processes uh, that you've never thought of. And... I would encourage you, if you don't have a young person on your team, find one. If you don't even know what you want them to do yet, if they just come in, the first words almost every millennial say is, why are you doing it that way? And if you don't have a good explanation on why you're doing that, say, well, what are you thinking? Here's what I think. What do you think? And you'll be amazed at how they will challenge you to think differently. So... I, I wrote down these notes. I'm pretty much done with these notes, but let me ask you, in, in this environment, as a, a young college kid that came in, and, and of course you kind of grew up with this whole thing, but what do you see in attracting in good people? Yeah, so um, as somebody who is 27 years of age, um, and I kind of tiptoe that line of millennial zillennial, right? Um, so Gen Z, I don't think I'm too far from which I was taught by the YLA group this last year. And also as like somebody who coaches young kids at the high school, um, 
kids are no different than they've ever been. Um, they do challenge ideas. It's not that they don't want to work hard. They just want to work smart, right? Uh, I do think it comes down to the same three things, opportunity, environment, and money. Maybe sometimes their, their understanding of money is unrealistic to the marketplace, and they just don't know. Right. Um, so sometimes that's a punch in the nose for both parties. Um, but, you know, I see people who are succeeding at my age who really enjoy the opportunity environment piece and aren't getting the money or just are taking money early and starting to realize that they'd rather do their own thing. And they're using it as a funding mechanism to get to where they really want to be. Um, I would say on the outside looking in, company branding of showing people, you know, how fun the environment is where you work or the opportunities your work presents or the money you make doing your work, showing that on a, um, whether it's a social platform or on your website or something like that, you'll actually get inbound leads for people who want to work for you. I mean, that's the American dream, or at least my American dream here at the Performance Group is that at some point we are creating such a cool online profile, and it really is how we live our internal yeah, it's not work fake. life. Like, this is all real life we live every single day, and I think there's not a lot of companies like us, um, and if they are, maybe they're just not presenting it the same way that we have the ability to now. Um, I think at some point, if we get enough people that listen to these podcasts and they, they see all the things we're doing, they see we're taking steps outside of the normal financial world, you're going to attract people from all over the United States who, you know, align with you because the world's a lot bigger than just your hometown. Um, small town businesses tend to, you know, hire within a 15 mile radius and they just got to expand their reach and figure out, you know, different ways to recruit. Um, Cause I think, Again, everybody knows we're in a talent crunch, right? You've got 11 million unfulfilled jobs, and there's not as many people that want to go work in the hard labor markets. So either technology is going to fill those gaps, or you've got to increase the environment because what they've really just done is money. Um, I talk to contractors all the time with what I do, and they still see the employee as a cog in the machine. They don't look at that on the same end of the rope. And I think that's a mentality thing. I think if you see younger service businesses doing well, it's because they're putting more into their people as an investment rather than just an expense. And I've heard you say that my whole life. People are a investment. They're not an expense. may look that way on your profit and loss statement, but they should really be on your balance sheet. Yeah. I mean, and, and for us, if you've got a talented individual, but they don't necessarily do accounting or tax or investments, but they're talented, we'll be the benefactor and we'll build a business around them. Uh, tricked out car and truck. Adam went to school to be a diesel mechanic, was going to go to work for John Deere and fix tractors. We happened to have an opportunity to buy a business that owed us money because of rent. And I went to him and just simply said, hey, if you want to be my age someday, crawling out from underneath an, a tractor in the mud, that's, that's entirely up to you. But if you're willing to walk around with no money in your pocket for a couple of years and have ownership in a business that you put sweat equity in, not, not financial equity, because he was a college kid and didn't have any. Let's try this and see if we can build a business. And we're going on our ninth year. Wow. And there's wow. ninth year. And there's four new businesses because he's a dreamer. Yes, and he, is. he comes to us and says, I've got an idea about this. I've got an idea about this. And it's been fun. I mean, has it been work? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been work. Is there risk? Yeah, there's risk. 
But at the same time, it's fun. And I know he lies awake thinking about that business every day. I don't because he's my partner. He wakes up doing that work every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. There's controls, there's inspection, there's measurements, there's all of those things. But it's fun to think that we took a kid who was going to work on tractors and trucks, be a greasy mess his whole life, and literally have built half a million dollar business with three other businesses that have spun off from that in nine years. In 10 years from now, it'll be two, three million dollar business. I don't think he could ever go to work for anybody other than himself. I mean, once you've got that freedom and once you've got that, I would say, confidence that, hey, I can do this, why would I ever go to work for somebody else? And now we're attracting and keeping good people down there because they see the same thing. They go, this isn't unlike anything we've ever seen. We've got, you know, an, a, an ownership, partnership, big dreams, big visions, and I get to be a part of that. And we sit down with them just the same way we do with anybody in here and say, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? How can we help you do that? And to me, that's the most fun. Uh, I'm more of a coach anymore than I am. Uh, I've never been a manager. I'm terrible at managing. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the vision and the leadership, I'm really latching onto you guys and your visions and saying, what obstacles can I move in order to help you get there? And in turn, help enough people get what they want, you always get what you want. You can never get more than you give. Amen. And to that, I think that's good enough. So people, attract and keep good, good employees, good customers, everybody else. Um, I think especially in today's environment, this is one of the most important rules. It's the hardest rule, and it's the biggest pushback we're seeing culturally where people, um, you know, they're willing to say no to employment and go figure it out. Yeah, and, and these 10 rules will apply to them. I mean, that's transferable. And if, if you're doing it on your own, you got to do the same things that we're doing. Um, and you take a page out of attract and keep good people, attract and keep good clients. It's transferable. It's inspectable. Measurable. And it's measurable. Good so. enough for me. Thanks, Dad. Today was fun. Yeah, today was fun. See you guys. Thanks. Bye.